Hello, my name is David Coletta, and I'm the senior leader at Mission Community Church. Before you begin watching the Sermon of the Week, allow me to pray that you might encounter God right there where you are. Father, I ask that your spirit will be present right where people are watching this video. May they be receptive to the voice of your spirit as they watch in Jesus' name. Amen. From all of us at MCC, may God bless you as you watch this week's message.
past two weeks, we looked at the signs of the end of the age, as uh, we saw them in Matthew 24 and 25. This is typically, you know, passages that are chapters that are harder to preach from, just because uh, we tend to spin, put a spin of our own interpretation, our own uh, uh, ways of understanding of the end times. And so having the, the awareness of the end times is something that is important for all of us as believers because it should prompt us to live holy lives before Jesus, right? To be devoted, to be uh, in love with Him. And, and as we understand that His second coming, His second advent is soon to come. Uh, as we've read the believers in the New Testament, and actually Lyndon uh, alluded to it as well, and he wasn't here last week, but I talked about Maranatha, Lord is coming back soon, and that's taken from Revelations uh, 20 to 20, when it says that he who testifies to these things says, I am coming soon, amen, come Lord Jesus, that means that in, in the original uh, uh, Aramaic language, the only place where it actually says Maranatha, right, the Lord is coming soon. So we need to encourage one another. We need to spur each other on, and the, the whole goal of what we are trying to do is not so that we can just sit in our comfortable chairs here in North America, in our nice cushy churches, but that we can take what we receive and share it with others. There are eternal implications to our message, and it is our responsibility, yours and mine, to take the gospel of Jesus to those who have not yet gotten to know this reality. And so I want to take us through our text in Matthew 24, verses 1 to 3. And it basically uh, says this, that when Jesus left the temple and was walking away with his disciples, they came up to him to call his attention to its buildings. And do you see all these things, Jesus asked them. Truly, I tell you, not one stone here will be left on another. Every one will be thrown down. And as Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? So we talked about there are two sets of questions there. Number one is the question when, G when they asked Jesus, when will this happen? That happened, that particular question was answered in 70 AD when Titus walked into uh, the city of Jerusalem, Titus was a Roman general, and he destroyed uh, the city, destroyed the temple. Over a million Jews were slaughtered during that specific time in 70 AD, and the temple was destroyed. Not one stone was left on top of the other. If you did not get to hear that part, I would suggest, you know, log into our YouTube channel and just check those two because they'll give you a little bit better understanding. And also, they asked an, another question. They said, what will be the signs of your coming and of the end of the age? And so over the past two weeks, we talked about a number of signs that are going to take place, some initiated by men, some initiated by God. The ones that are initiated by God, you can find them in a uh, sister package, if you will, if you go to Revelation chapter 6, chapter 6, through to chapter 19, you're going to find all of those same signs and, and, and the, the, the seals and the bowls of wrath and all of that stuff that is contained in the revelation that God gave to John in the book of Revelation. Uh, but in chapter 24, uh, and we talked about it last week, Jesus ended the, the, 
the initial portion of his discourse on the uh, Mount of Olives with three things. He said, you need to understand this. The day and the hour are not known. They're not up to you. The, and so your responsibility, the responsibility that each and every one of us should have is, one, to be vigilant. Number two, to be ready. And then he said, you know what? You need to remember this, that it will be like in the days of Noah. And I didn't really spend a whole lot of time on that, but I just want to put a little bracket here and a little bow on that particular statement. Because in the days of Noah, what, what happened? That's found, by the way, if you're taking notes in Genesis chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. It tells us that in the days of Noah, there was a lot of uh, people did whatever they wanted. They lived their lives however they wanted. They took in marriage, they feasted, they had parties all day long. That was the kind of flavor of the time. And so Jesus said, as it was in the day of Noah, so it will be at the end of times. And if you look at what is happening at the end of times right now, you can see the same attitude, the same sense of wanting to live life in a very, you know, all for me, not for you kind of a mindset, right? And so we need to understand that, that there is implications that are eternal in everything that we do. Now, in Matthew 25, Jesus starts a new portion of the Olivet Discourse. And what I want to do, this, these are passages that have actually bothered me almost for some time. But in Matthew 25, um, Jesus starts a whole new way of explaining what's going to happen in the end time. And so here's verse 1. And verse 1 highlights for us an invitation that Jesus gives to all of us. And it says this. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Ten virgins who went out to meet the bridegroom. Now, Jesus starts by comparing heaven to these ten virgins. And all ten of them were invited to this wedding party. And all ten of them took lamps that were filled with oil. All of them exactly the same. Now, the wedding back in those days had three separate um, uh, different parts, if you will. There was the engagement part of the wedding where the parents would discuss the terms of the marriage. Uh, you know, I'll give you a cow and a couple of donkeys and you can take her away. I think nowadays it should be the other way around. The, the, the parents of the, of the bride should say, you know what, I'll give you whatever. <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. Take him away. Anyway, and then there was the betrothal time, and the betrothal time was when promises were made. And then finally, there was a wedding ceremony. And the wedding ceremony had two portions of it. One where the, the bridegroom would go to the house of the bride, take the bride with him, and then the other part was going back to his house. And so it's here that we meet these ten virgins, which probably in today's culture we would call them bridesmaids just to give you an idea. Why is it that there were 10? I asked myself, like, what is 10? Well, 10, you know, I can spiritualize and say it was a number of completion in the Bible. I mean, that's, that's the way you had 10. But actually, in, in the Talmud, which is the book of traditions of the Jewish people, in Talmudic traditions, you needed 10 individual virgins to be selected to carry lights because 10 was the number that they had that was required for those weddings. It's important to note that the invitation to join this wedding 
uh, and the wedding ceremony was given to all of them equally. No distinction between one or the other. And you know what? It shows me that God's invitation is given to each and every one of us. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter how you've lived your life. God's invitation is to you just as much as it is to anyone that has lived a quote-unquote perfect life. God invites us all in. His invitation is to whosoever will say yes. No one excluded. The Bible tells us in James that God has no favorites. There is no favoritism with God. Now the purpose of the ten virgins was to shine the light along the path so that the bridegroom who was returning home for his bride. Now he had left, gone, picked her up, got back to the house, left it, and then he must have left again for some reason. I don't know. Some scholars say that this could be an indication of a, uh, at, at prior to the tribulation that the king goes away. And, and, and so that supports the theory of the rapture theory, right? That he leaves and then he comes back for his bride at some point toward the end. I'm not going to get into that. I'll let you decide what you believe. But I will tell you this, that uh, they were called to do the same thing, the same purpose. Each one of them had the same reason, which was what? To shine the light so that the bridegroom could come home. That's what Lyndon just shared with us, right? We are called to engage as the bride of Christ, to share the gospel of the bridegroom to all people on the earth, to those around us, family members, friends. It's our responsibility. It's us that are going to take the message to those who don't know Jesus. And of course, we partner with ministries, and that's great. But you know what? Each one of us has a specific group of people that are going to listen to you and not to me or not to somebody else here. And so it's our responsibility to share the gospel to those people. Jesus said in... uh, In the gospel, he said, occupy till I come. And then in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 16, it says this. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds and what? Glorify the Father in heaven. That is for us. It's up to us to let the light of Jesus shine through our lives. And then once the light shines, then you know what? They're going to come and ask, what is different about you? What? What is, what, what's up with you? What, something is different. That's when you can tell them about Jesus because he is the one that has made a difference for us. In verses 2 to 4, it's the second point I, I want to illustrate, and it's a response, the response. Verses 2 to 4, read this. Five of them, of these virgins, were foolish, and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lambs but did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. Now, I realize that this is a bit of a broad statement or a series of statements, but in the context of these verses, here's what I see. I see that there were people, these five virgins that were wise, and then five that were unwise. And you know what? There's a difference between wisdom and lack of wisdom. You see, unwise people do just what's required. Just no more than that. They don't go the extra mile for God. 
Hey, you know, oh, you want you want me to light the oh you I got my lamp. I got the I got oil in the lamp, right? You see that? But very soon we're gonna see what happens when you don't actually think ahead. And so unwise people do the bare minimum. Unwise people come to church once a month. Do you know that statistically in America, people go to church once a month? Once a month. You know, they go to church once a month, but they expect God to meet all of their needs, all their cries, all their difficulties. God, where are you? Well, how about you come and spend some time with me? How about you come and spend some time with my family? Unwise people want their kids sanctified while they fight at home, hardly ever read the Bible, and never mention the name of Jesus. I want my kids to be missionaries, great men and women of God. Well, how about you start somewhere? Unwise people expect God to bless them financially while their fists are tight. They're holding on to what they got. Unwise people want good without having to pay the price for it. They want the goods. Unwise people want the blessings of the kingdom without making an investment in the deposit in the kingdom, however and whatever that might be. That could be giving. That could be serving. Whatever it is. You know, some of you today, I, I, here's what the Lord revealed this to me, that some of you today should leave here and go straight for that Connect Center and say, you know what, I'm giving you my name for volunteering. What, what do you want me to do? Is there anything that I can do? Because you're sitting comfortably in your Christianity. Everything is going hunky-dory and great, but you're not investing in the kingdom. Unwise people participate but are not engaged in the ministry of the church. They're more like spectators. They're sitting by the sidelines watching the game being played. But they're not taking the next step. Matthew 70, chapter 7, verses 21 to 24 says this, Not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. May we be wise men build their house on the rock where for those of you who are taking prime this week will be I believe the M of prime right maturity what does this chapter the verse before verse 20 says this you shall know them by what their fruit people will know us not by the pretty words but by our fruit the third <clears throat> point that I see in these verses is the need for oil, the need for oil. And in verse 3, and we read that before, it says this. It says that they took some oil with them, right? The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. The foolish ones took their lamps. They were full of oil but did not take any extra oil with them. 
Now, I think we can all agree, so far so good. They're all there shining their lights, right? They got oil in their lamp. Good. Now, oil in the Bible is symbolic of what? Symbolic of the Holy Spirit. It's symbolic of the anointing. Exodus chapter 27 and verse 20 says, Command the Israelites to bring you clear oil. Clear oil, unfiltered. Or pressed olive for the light so that the lamps may be kept burning. And then there's another verse that is very interesting in Leviticus chapter 24, verses 1 through 4, that says this. The Lord said to Moses, command the Israelites to bring you clear oil of pressed olives so that the light, uh, for the light, so that the lamps may be kept burning what? Continuously or continually. Outside the curtain, the shield and the ark of the covenant of the law in the tent of the meeting, Aaron is to tend the lamps before the Lord from evening till morning continually. This is to be a lasting ordinance for the generations to come. The lamps on the pure gold lampstands before the Lord must be tended continually. Do you think that God was trying to say something there? I think three times, three times it says that the oil and the lamps must be kept burning continually. In other words, what is going on in your life and in my life? Is the oil of God burning inside of us? Guys, I... If you take these words that I'm sharing with you today and you leave depressed and discouraged that you're not doing it, you're missing the point. Jesus' message was all about being aware and being vigilant and being alert. That's the point. That's what we're called to do. It's time to wake up to the reality of what we might be missing so that we can fulfill that void in our lives. Now, guys, I'm telling you this. Ministry without the anointing of the Holy Spirit is inspirational talk. And you know what? You don't need to come to church and hear me for inspirational talk because you can just sit at home with a nice hot cup of coffee the way you like it and uh, with a couple of, you know, maybe a toast and, and, and avocado on it, you know, a nice avocado toast and a cup of coffee, and just listen to Tony Robbins. Because you know what? He's a heck of a lot better looking and maybe a better speaker than I am. I don't know. My wife would disagree, right? It's not about the words that we can speak eloquently and beautifully. It's about what the Holy Spirit does in our hearts when the Word of God is spoken. In Proverbs chapter 6, speaks of the fact that the teachings about wisdom are like a lamp and a light. In Psalm 119, I think we all know this verse. It says, in verse uh, 105, it says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. You see, in these words, what I see is exactly the very thing that we hold dear to as a church, that we need the Holy Spirit to fuel the word of God that gives us light. The two of them come in partnership. Oil produces light. The oil and, and, and the lamps that, 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 need, that produce that light actually need the oil. And so if you combine the two together, both of them will give us that tension that sometimes we feel. Like how do we attain word and spirit? It's this way. It's when you light up the lamp with the oil of the Holy Spirit. We need both. 
And in times of uncertainty, when things are not going right, in times where you need power in what you're going to do, accomplish something for God, you and I need the Holy Spirit to guide us and to lead us. When you feel dry and you feel like you don't have anything left in you, you need a good dose of oil from the Holy Spirit. If you can just... You, you can go to the Word of God at that point, and I've done it, but it's like reading a dry book material from college. It's like uh, algebra uh, back in school. It's like, ah, what am I reading here? I don't understand anything. I don't really want to read it, but I'm reading it. But you know what? That's what it feels like if you're dry spiritually, you're just going to receive information. But you know what? God is about transformation not just information. And so we have got to allow the Holy Spirit through his word to speak to us. The Holy Spirit will guide us into all truth. Amen. Uh, the next point is the price. It's the price. Verses 4 and 5 of Matthew 25 talks about an investment that we need to make, right? And so the wise ones took oils in jars along with their lamps. And the bridegroom was a long time in coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. Of course, who wouldn't? Now, there's an investment here that is made. Because, you know what? I'm going to tell you this, and, and it's mark the words I'm going to tell you right now. Do, you know, unless you make a, an investment spiritually today, you will not receive the benefits of whatever you want. Now, let me explain it this way. Oftentimes, we pray. And we say, God, I want an answer right now. But do you know that your prayers may actually be fulfilled in the lives of your children or your grandchildren? Does it ever impress your heart that what you may be doing, you're doing following Christ and praying certain prayers is not just for you. It's for your children and your grandchildren. You say, I don't have any grandkids. I'm not even married. Don't worry about it. Keep sowing seeds for the next generation. Keep sowing seeds. Now, you see, dividends of your investments in the lives of our children and of grandchildren, of our grandchildren, as my wife and I do, they don't come back immediately, right? Uh, I, I'm, I, I'm you might have an incredible investor for your money that you give him five bucks and he turns it into a thousand. I want to get to know him. Huh. Uh, but if not, you basically put your money in a holding with somebody that's just going to take it, invest it, and then maybe sell it back and, and then buy some more and sell back and buy some more. And he's going to do that in order to maximize your investment. right? And it's the same way spiritually. Keep praying for your children. Keep praying for your grandchildren. Maybe you don't have a spouse. Keep praying for that spouse that God may send you the right person. Be willing, be faithful to pay the price for that investment. The five wise virgins made the investment. They said, you know what? We're just going to take a little extra oil with us. We're going to be proactive, right? They paid the price. The five foolish virgins did not. Now, let me tell you this. All 10 of them fell asleep. All 10 of them. You say, wow, 
I never saw that. I thought it was only the foolish ones that fell asleep. No, no. All ten of them fell asleep because you know what? Sleeping is a natural response of our biology. You know, we our physical bodies need rest. If you're not getting enough rest, sometimes um, we need to get more rest. It's important. But the point is that they were proactive. The wise virgins were proactive in their approach. Now, the foolish virgins made no plans for delay. How many times have we made plans in our lives and we did not plan for delays? We did not anticipate that something may not go according to our plans and according to our ideas of how things would go and all of a sudden we were left stranded. Now, there's a scripture in Song of Solomon, chapter 2, and verse 15, that highlights that to a perfection for me. It says, catch for us the foxes, the little foxes that ruin the vineyard. Our, vineyard, our vineyards are in bloom. Catch the little foxes. You see, it's not the big sins that entangle us. It's not the big, you know, stealing or, you know, the big stuff, right? Well, I didn't murder anybody. I, I'm not robbing a bank, you know, like the big stuff. And we think that that is what God is impressed by, that we're not doing the terrible things. But actually, God is saying here something else. He's saying, catch those little foxes that will ruin your vineyard, that will ruin your harvest, that will ruin what you have planned for and sowed into those little foxes. You know, Angela mentioned something when we, she was closing prayer, and I want to say it the same way, but in this way. What are the little foxes? What are the little foxes that are ruining our vineyards? Could it be perfectionism? I think you mentioned that, right? Fits of rage, a loose tongue, addiction to things that rob us of our time, whatever that might be in your life, you know. Overwork, Netflix binge watching, I don't know, apathy, social media addiction. You put the name to the little fox that's ruin, ruining your vineyard. Because your vineyard is the food that you're going to eat for your future. And unless you and God catch those little foxes, you're going to be left without harvest. Take inventory and let's catch those little foxes and surrender to God. The final thing that I see in our text is Tough answer. Tough answer. It's found in verses 6 to 9. Verses 6 to 9. At midnight, the cry rang out. Here's the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Then, virgins woke up. They trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. No, they replied. There may not be enough for both of us and you. Instead, go to those who sell the oil and buy some for yourselves. Now, this is a revelation to me because, you know what? 
I would imagine that these ten virgins all knew each other. They must have been friends. They're part of the same wedding party. You know, so most of the times, they kind of like know each other, right? I don't know how it is in Jewish tradition, but I would say that for our own understanding, let's just say that they knew each other. And they were all asleep together. And then they woke up when someone mentioned the bridegroom is coming. Now, the implications, as I mentioned before, could be that this is the bride. He left the bride, right? Rapture, came back, second advent. I don't know. You decide. The response of the foolish virgins was to ask for oil to the wise. And the wife said, it makes no sense. Why should we give you oil? If we give you oil, we're going to be without oil. So not only will you be in trouble, we're also going to be in trouble because we don't have enough for all of us. Now, there are people in our lives that put a demand on what we have. There are people that will always be asking for something. I'm not sure where you are in your walk with Jesus this morning, but you can't blame other people for your lack of proactivity, for your lack of thinking ahead over the spiritual matters of your life. Oh, well, let me just go to the wise one. Let me just get together with Bill because, you know, Bill has got this thing. You know, he wakes up in the morning at 5 o'clock and he just prays and he seeks the Lord. So maybe he's just going to give me a word that God received for me, that God gave to Bill for me. Uh-uh. No. Uh-uh. That's not, it doesn't work that way. You ought to take responsibility for your life. I ought to take responsibility for my life. Because you know what? There's some people in your life right now, and I don't know who they are. They may be family members. They may be friends. But they're sucking you dry. They are taking the life out of you. You know what the answer that the virgins had? Can you put that verse up again? What? Verse 9. You say that with me? Practice it. It might be good. No. That's one of the hardest things for us to say, especially, you know, I, I struggle with a little bit of rejection sometimes. I want people to love me. I want people to like me. What do you need? So, oh, yeah, sure. You know what? The greatest lesson that we can learn is to say no. No. What do you mean no? Like you're, Bill, you spent all that time before God. Come on. You're saying no. No. Go get it yourself. Go to the source yourself. Don't ask me for what you need. I'm not God in your life. I'm not the Holy Spirit in your life. You go to the source. You know what the something that I see here is that when Jesus told them, or when the wise virgins said to the unwise, to the foolish, go get oil, it was midnight. So you know what? There must have been an oil store somewhere. Open at midnight. I don't know. But you know what? The Bible says that they went to get oil. They actually did. What does that tell you? That there's oil available for you any time of the day. If you are not sleeping at night because you can't find peace in your heart, go to the oil store of heaven because you know he's got oil for you. His presence is all flowing for your life. Whatever you need, he has for you. He has for you. The 
The Holy Spirit is there for all of us. We must be wise. Whenever those who might be sucking the life out of you, spiritually, oh, let me just go and talk to Lois. Let me just go and talk to Robert and Angela. I mean, hey, you know, Jim is there. Oh, yeah, David and Polly, they're just great. You know, go to God. Go to God yourself. And then once you receive a word from him, then you can speak to the wise ones. Because there's wisdom in what? The counsel of many. That's okay to speak to somebody at that point, but receive something before you go. Let me conclude by saying this. We all have to give an account to God for our lack of actions or whatever actions we take. It's up to me and it's up to you. It's up to me and it's up to you. When they were buying the oil, the door was closed. This does not mean that all is lost. Some say that perhaps they will be the saints that will go through the tribulation period because they will see Jesus at the end. Look, I'm, I could give you a ton of information about all of the details of a scatological interpretation. I told you at the beginning I'm not getting into that. But I'm just like throwing things at you. I know one thing that they all cried out the same. All five virgins, they said, Lord, Lord. We read the verses in Matthew 7 earlier. It says, not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom. There's some correlation, isn't it? You know, the word in Greek, in the, in the Hebrew, actually, is a word that we all know. It's Adonai. It's Lord in a very paternal-like Talking to the Lord as a father. Very warm sensation and feeling. They were all believers. All of them, they loved God. But they were unprepared when the bridegroom turned. Are you prepared? Am I prepared? Have we taken time to invest the kingdom of God, to get plenty of oil so that when he returns, we'll be brightly shining. Hey, thank you for watching the Sermon of the Week. We pray that you were blessed by it and you felt prompted to act upon what the Spirit of God was saying to you. If you live in the Charlotte area, we would love for you to come and worship with us at one of our weekend gatherings. That way you can find out more about our church family and what we value most. We encourage you also to give to our ministry so that we might continue spreading the gospel of Jesus to our city and throughout the world. To do so, you simply go to missioncommunity.cc, click on the Give button, and the rest is simple. Lastly, I would encourage you to check out the remaining content on our YouTube channel. And don't forget to subscribe. That way you will receive all of the reminders for fresh content that we put out. Have a wonderful rest of your day. May God bless you and thank you again for watching this week's message.